Welcome to Health Tech Hustle. We exist to share stories of the brave entrepreneurs helping to solve the most important problems in digital health today. We interview top leaders in health tech and bring them onto our show each week to listen and learn from their story. With your host, Rodney Hu, founder of 209 Digital. Hello and welcome to another awesome episode of the Health Tech Hustle podcast. To join today, I'm joined by an, another very special and smart guest, Mr. Bob Michel. He's the founder and CEO of SmartTab, and they are a digital medicine company that is focused on pioneering targeted drug delivery, revolutionizes treatment monitoring, and is looking to improve overall patient outcome. Um, a little bit about Bob. He is a CEO and founder, like I said, and he has over 15 years of leadership and management in pharmaceutical research and development and has seven years experience in due diligence and marketing for emerging growth companies within high tech and biotech spaces. And so with that being said, I'm excited to have him on to kind of share his journey and what they're doing over at Smart Tab. So with that being said, Bob, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Ronnie. Glad to be here today. No problem. So yeah, let's just uh, jump right into it. Why don't you give the listeners a brief background of who you are and how you got into health tech? Yeah, excellent. Thank you. So my background is in the pharmaceutical space and several years working on delivery systems for prescription drugs, medicine, time release delivery systems, etc. Within the last five years, as we look around, we see all this digital wireless technology moving forward. So the idea for the SmartTab company was born out of merging all of these leading edge technologies to develop drug delivery systems that would enhance significantly patient outcomes. So basically we have an ingestible capsule uh, that is controlled, communicated wirelessly. Uh, you ingest the capsule, it travels through the GI system to a targeted area and then it releases the active ingredient. We have really built the company out as a platform technology. So you have a basic platform in the capsule, the electronics, the communication system, the actuation system. First one is a target tab, uh, which has a lot of benefits in the direction of colon diseases, things like Crohn's disease, to where we can have it travel to a specific site and release the active ingredients in a particular area. The second one that we're currently working on very diligently right now uh, we have a large strategic partner we're looking to do preclinical animal studies this fall with. And it is basically an inject tab to where the patient swallows the capsule, it moves to an area in the stomach, and then it, it makes an injection. Where this is highly beneficial are things that patients have to self-inject themselves, things like Humira, Enbrel, uh, insulin, to where the goal here is to use our platform technology and to move those injections into a, a specific site in the GI tract. So huge uh, area. Uh, many patients have to self-inject every day across the United States worldwide. And then the third platform technology is a multi-tab. And that has really applications for things so where you have to take multiple days of a dose. So number one would be antibiotics. Uh, a lot of patients will take an antibiotic system for seven days, take it for three days, they feel better and they stop. So that leads to poor compliance, poor adherence, and then they have to go back and perhaps start another regimen. So in summary, that's what we're working on. Uh, the state of the company today, uh, we're in the middle of preclinical animal studies with a couple of these platform technologies. Then we'll move to clinical studies in humans. 
and then move to FDA approval. Or in the case of a medical device, as this one would be, 510K regulatory pathway, it would be an FDA clearance. Nice. So you guys have multiple platforms, multiple technologies that you guys are Mm -hmm. working on. That's Mm -hmm. all good and dandy. But what I want to ask you as a CEO, the founder and the business owner, how did you get the idea to actually want to start your own company and going about that? Yeah, a lot of it focused on bringing innovative items to the market. And so as I was building my career in the pharmaceutical space, um, having worked in uh, the emerging growth company sector early on right out of college, I had a nice combination of business skills, pharmaceutical skills, science skills. So once I reached a certain point, the idea to start a company was to really be able to bring innovative technologies to the market. Uh, Most times large corporations are not super innovative. They look to smaller startup emerging growth companies for the technologies once they get to a point and they will merge them into the larger corporations. And then I saw that in my career, you know, it's, they, they have significant pathways, uh, quarterly reports, P and L, et cetera. But to really bring innovative technologies to the market, to step outside of that, start the own company. Um, that was really the driving force. And we have certainly done that, um, with this company and, and prior companies as well to really bring technologies that will help uh, lead people, you know, have, allow people to lead better lives. And that was really the main goal of starting the company in the first place. Nice. So you pretty much just took this experience that you had in the healthcare space and you were able to identify a problem and just using your expertise and your experience to help solve that problem and which is how you came up with the smart tab company. Um, Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. And and what's interesting is, you know, not only are we merging drug delivery technologies with conventional capsules, now we're updating them. They have wireless technology, uh, different types of powering systems, internal powering systems, inductive power systems. You also have the FDA pathway. So what's interesting about new drugs or medical devices, not only as a CEO, you have to follow the prototypes, the building, but you also have this dual path to make sure everything's documented properly filed with the FDA. So when you go to file with the FDA, everything is in order. And certainly my experience in the pharmaceutical space um, lend itself to the experience to move in that path forward. So You know, very interesting startups in the pharmaceutical space, medical device space are more complex uh, than some other industries. But at the end of the day, um, it gives us the opportunity to work on some really, really cutting edge technologies that will help patients lead better lives. Awesome. And so when speaking about your technology and getting these clinical trials and developing prototypes and testing it out, how has that process been for you guys as a company? And how have you guys been able to, how have you guys been going about getting the word out around this technology? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, conventional shows, which we've done in the past, we have the JP Morgan Healthcare Conference in San Francisco. We've attended that the last three years. Um, We were one of the early partners with Startup Health out of New York City. Uh, That's a very highly selective process. They will come in. Um, help us with networking, investors, PR, et cetera. Um, they get a small percent of equity to do that. So they've been very helpful. They have a startup health festival each year 
in San Francisco in conjunction with the JP Morgan Health Conference as well. So those are some of the standard things we go to. We attended shows in Boston the last couple of years, about tech conferences. So those are more, you know, one-on-one in person. Those are, are very helpful. They're good networking events as well. Now, uh, from a from a more of a digital marketing platform, we do quite a bit in terms of the LinkedIn. Uh, we keep our clients, um, customers, vendors, people who are interested in the future of digital health uh, in the loop and what we're doing using LinkedIn. We do email blast. And then with this year, you know, there's actually been more of a shift in that direction because we have not been able to go to any conferences in person. And, and we see this continuing. Um, even some of the conferences coming up this fall, early next year, moving to a digital, moving to a virtual platform. So it gives us an opportunity to really expand our digital footprint. Now, the good news is, is our technology, it's perfect for a digital platform. It's the future. Um, it, people are very excited to hear about the podcast and what we're working on, what other companies are working on. And it's really been, you know, a combination of the more conventional conferences. But again, Rodney, this year, it's really been about the digital virtual platform. Nice. So you already see the impact that telehealth or that COVID has had on telehealth in healthcare and everyone's using Zoom or Skype or whatever um, video conferencing platform of their choice, but you already see the impact that it's had. And so I'm curious to see how you guys are also leveraging that. You mentioned that instead of going to these networking events that you guys would be going to, you're now switching to more digital platforms, whether it's virtual events or meetings like podcasts or video conferencing like we're doing now. Um, But another thing I want to ask is Mm -hmm. you had mentioned LinkedIn marketing. So what sort of content Mm -hmm. are you guys producing on LinkedIn around your company and around your product? Yeah, good question. So we do short news announcements. Many times we'll put in a short video uh, to capture the attention, uh, almost like a trailer to a movie, and then that will capture people's attention to drive them to our webpage. Um, beyond the blog, um, the podcast, um, we have videos embedded in the webpage. So the LinkedIn is really announcements on different milestones. Um, announcements on development with personnel at our company, and then usually have something very creative to grab the attention. You know, many times on LinkedIn, there's a photo or just text, but if you can embed a video, make it very captivating. And it it really lends itself to the future, you know, the future of digital health. Um, Things like you just mentioned, telemedicine, obviously COVID-19, very devastating, but if there's any silver lining, it has accelerated many of these platforms that are now being used, things like telemedicine, the way that pharmacies um, are delivering drugs, prescription medicine. So it it has sped that up and we've certainly seen that. So as you move through LinkedIn, we want to tie into how we can be part of the future of drug delivery and digital medicine. Nice. So really just having content that just drives that brand awareness and gets your guys' name out there, your brand, the content out in front of other people to sort of facilitate the conversation about your brand and about the technologies that you guys are developing. Yeah, that's exactly right. Nice. And so I know you're a smart guy. (laughs) You have a lot of years of expertise, but 
we both know that running a company, running a business is no easy task, especially going at it alone. So I kind of want to ask you about the team, the team that you put in place over at SmartTab and how that has helped just drive more growth for your company. Yeah, exactly. Good question. And that's one of the main pieces of building a company. I mean, it, it seems to me the top three things are strategy, uh, funding, uh, whether that's internal, external, and then your personnel, your people, the team. And for first off, uh, wireless technology, drug delivery. We have a chief technical officer, Douglas Miller, PhD, uh, many years in drug delivery systems, medical device. He has a lot of experience in wireless technologies. And you have to look for people in a startup that have the mindset that they can figure things out. Um, you don't necessarily want to pull an engineer that you know has worked for 40 years at a corporation. They, you, you need to have um, really this attitude that that we that we joke around with Doug that he's MacGyver. He can figure out anything, and you need people like that in a startup that are very hands-on. They're you know a lot of initiative, and they can figure things out. So, if you have someone like that to start with on your technical team, then that attracts people who are similar. And as you probably notice in businesses, as you hire people, you tend to hire people that are very much like yourself. Whether you recognize it or not, you tend to end up with a whole team of people who are like the lead person. So we have an excellent person in place there. Uh, we've been hiring engineers right now um, to develop the technology. We will then move to hiring more people in the regulatory to pursue this FDA regulatory path that we discussed earlier today. And then also blend that in um, with the things we're doing with our chief marketing team in terms of digital content and some of those things we touched on earlier with the podcast, with the blogs, with the shows and the LinkedIn items. So really that's how you know we build the team out. But I cannot you know stress enough in a startup, the core, you must have the correct people with the correct attitude that we will make this successful. And then it turns out it is successful. <laughs> nice. Everyone just has to be on board with the vision and the direction of the company. And so you right. kind of mentioned like there's a lot of people that have are wearing a lot of different hats, especially in the beginning of a startup stage. And what I want to ask is regarding you as a CEO, you have your own roles and responsibilities. So how do you know what you should be focusing on and what you should be delegating to other experts? Right. And I think really the, you know, the first threshold there is <clears throat> just need to ask myself, is, a, is this a good spend? Is this a good investment of my time? And I always go back to those three pillars that I mentioned earlier, the strategy, the vision of the company, where are we going? And then you build a roadmap how to get there. You know, number two is the funding. You have to make sure that you have enough funding. And, you know, we've been marching through COVID-19 Companies are having issues. We're not. We keep marching along. We're hiring people. And that means we have good planning. So, you know, if I'm out there on phone calls, on conference calls, being the face of the company, raising capital, getting investors, that's what we need to do. That's what we really need to do. And then the third thing is around people, networking, talking with people. You just don't find good people, you know, throwing an ad out there, wherever it may be. Um, you have to network and really find the correct people and, and talk to the correct, correct people and get those people on board. So that's really, you know, what I focus on. Um, we have our meetings internally, of course, to judge the timelines and the progress, and I'm involved with that. But 
as a leader, a CEO, you need to be really careful. You don't get bogged down into these details and then you lose sight of what you really need to be working on. So that's really, I think, the key is, is it a good spend of the time? Is it a good investment of my time? Anything else? Delegate. Uh, but before you can delegate, you have to find the good people, which takes, you know, that's the significant um, amount of investment is my time to find the correct people. Nice. So there's just a lot of moving pieces in this puzzle and a lot of a lot of intricate parts that have to be put together in order for this company right. to go successfully. So you have right. the people on the back end handling right. like technology. And then you have people as yourself who are actually going out there, being the face of the company, going to networking events, building those relationships with the key people, whether it be investors or other healthcare organizations. You're the one that's going out there and focusing on working on your business, not in your business. Right. Exactly. That's right. Awesome. And then another thing I really like is that I've interviewed other health tech and digital health companies in the past, and mainly they focus on outbound, just like having those relationships, getting into um, accelerators or finding investor money. But one thing that stuck out to me is that you guys are actually going about creating content and posting content around what you guys are doing. Um, so can you kind of explain why you guys decided to kind of double down on content? and why that's important as well? Yeah, exactly. Good good question. So really, this is about improving patient outcomes, helping people le- lead better lives. And when the way that we do that is get people exposure on what we're working on, whether it's individuals or whether it's other companies. One of our first guests on the podcast, uh, Natalie with Crohn's disease, we're working on developing a delivery system, target tap for Crohn's disease. I mean, it's it's a it takes a village, as they say, to really bring these products to market. So not only now do we have patients that are telling us what they would like to see in drug delivery systems. So one of the things that's key with any of these products that I've learned over the years is, is it must be patient-centered or consumer-centered. So we don't want to be building something and then not have it fit into a much improved patient outcome. So by having content, having the podcast, we're, we're learning a lot by talking with people and having the podcast, so how we can better our delivery system. So if, so if we deliver patient-centered medications, patient-centered drug delivery systems based upon what the, the patients are looking for, then that, that, that works out well for everyone. One good way to do that is to have content, talk with people. And it's, it's been very impressive, the different people that we've had on the podcast, how it fits in. That then helps us drive the, how we tailor our products. So you mentioned earlier, you have companies that, you know, they go outbound and um, they don't actually match sometimes what the consumer wants. And at the end of the day, um, yeah, you do need to have market acceptance. But, but in our case, if we have patient-centered outcomes, medicines, and we focus on that, then we will, by default, have very solid market acceptance. Wow, that's interesting. I think that's very valuable, especially by how you guys are leveraging your podcast to really just facilitate that conversation with your guests, whether it's the patients or other healthcare professionals. But you guys mm-hmm. are creating that content, getting exposure, and really just educating the market. 
Um, so from a high level view, I see that as being very valuable. Right, right. Um, so what sort of advice would you give to other digital health and health tech startups and founders? Yeah, the, the first advice would be, as we've touched on already, is really have solid input on what your finished product will be that you will deliver to the market. And that is key that at the end of the day, um, you need to have good market acceptance. And that can be driven, you know, like we've already talked about. For us, it's improving patient outcomes. So that's the first thing. Many times, many times, you know, startups or people, they'll have a great idea and it sounds good. But then you have to look at, okay, how is this going to be deployed in the market? How are we going to scale it up? How are we going to commercialize it? So once you've answered that first question, will there be good market acceptance and why, in our case, patient-centered drug delivery systems? Then you start working from there. Okay, how are we going to commercialize it? How are we going to scale it up? How's the FDA going to look at this? And, you know, from there, you can create a very solid path on what you need to work on today, next month, next year to get to the end objective that you're looking for. So it's really, you know, following that path. And because again, Rodney, there you know, a lot of good ideas out there and people chase these good ideas. But if you can't commercialize it, if you can't sell it, scale it up, if you can't build out a business model matrix around it or actually get it to the market and make it successful, then it simply won't uh, work. And you know, having said all that, you know, the business models are changing today. Um, if you look 20 years ago, um, Google was just getting rolling. Nobody ever heard of Facebook. It didn't exist. Twitter didn't exist. So now you have, you, in our opinion, you will see a flurry of companies that will evolve out of this digital health space. There will be significant players in this space that you haven't even heard of. You know, there's startups. You're having different ways that medicine will be distributed, different ways that medicine will be tracked. But really back to your question about what you're looking to do is, you know, kind of start with the end game in mind and then work back from that. And if you do that, execute properly, fill in all the spaces you need with good people, you will be successful. Nice. So really just almost essentially reverse engineering what it is exactly that you want so that you can plan each step on how to get there. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And so another thing that I've heard in just doing research regarding technology companies is that they tell you to like fail fast, right? But when it comes to like healthcare technology companies, do you think it's better to stay away from that whole fail fast mindset and have all your ducks in a row before trying to take that big leap? Or should you just take the big leap from the beginning? Yeah, and, and you can look at that a lot of different ways. I mean, you, you hear about that, you know, fail fast, fail and pivot, you know, fail and, you know, start over. You know, all those different phrases are out there. I believe with any startup, you, you, you will have what you could categorize as, you know, internal failures. Um, certainly when we've been working on the smart tab, you go down a path a little ways and it doesn't work and you adjust. But usually when you do that, you learn something. So, so I always look at it like it isn't really a failure. It's a learning experience. I mean, you know, I, I've had a lot of experience in my life and, you know, they haven't all been successful. I've had a lot of successes, but I don't necessarily think you should go after 
startups or emerging growth companies that, oh, we failed, you know, we were, we did a poor job. It's like, you, you, things don't work. I mean, sometimes things just don't work. And then you learn from that and you adjust quickly and move on. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's based upon how well you can learn from those and then make a successful company. Because you, you can almost be guaranteed that, you know, whatever you start out with in a startup, you're going to make changes. You can call them failures if you want. I would just say they're learning experiences and then you keep, mm-hmm. you keep moving forward. Um, but the faster you can move and adjust, then the better. It's, it's just like, you know, if you're in, in the sports arena, you know, that's why you practice. You know, you practice on things and they don't always work. But when it comes game time, you have it all figured out and you will be successful. And that's the way I look at our process in the startup space. It's repetition. Um, so, man, that's some awesome, valuable advice. And I just, I know as a business owner, a CEO, and you're just trying to grow your company, you have a lot of successes, but we all know it's not always like that. And there's some ups and downs, some obstacles you have to overcome. And the question I have for you is, are there any decisions that you made as a business owner, whether it's like, hey, this relationship or hey, this hire, are there any decisions that really stick out to you that have resulted in like growth for your business? I think it goes back to, you know, early on uh, in life, you, you realize that it, a lot of it's around people. And, you know, because of that, I believe that we vet our people very well before we bring them on board. Um, there've been a lot of positive decisions. We've brought a lot of very solid, very successful people on board that have helped the growth of the company. And I would say with any startup, we cannot stress that enough and really vet the people that you're bringing on board and, and we have gotten some great people to help move the company. And in a startup, those people are critical. Um, you know, funding, I mean, funding, you work on that. That's, you have to find the right partners. And, you know, funding, you, you will typically find the correct investment partners. Um, you know, strategy, you have to be very careful with the strategy. But again, and we touched on this already you know, Rodney, is it, it really does come down to the people. So be very selective with the people. Make sure they're a good fit with the startup. And I believe that's probably the biggest thing, the biggest decisions that we've had really good success in building the company upon. Awesome. I think that's a very value-packed answer right there. And uh, I think that's a good way to kind of end the main segment of the podcast. So we've kind of talked a lot about your strategies, your teams, um, what you've done to help grow your business. Now I kind of want to end the episode on a little more lighter note with an exercise I like to call the rapid fire round. Um, so I'll ask you a couple questions and you just give me whatever answer you come up with. Okay. Sure. All right. Question number one, what is your favorite book of all time? Yeah, this goes back a ways. Favorite book of all time was by Art Williams. He started A.L. Williams Insurance Company. It, it is titled, All You Can Do Is All You Can Do. I believe that was published in the late 80s. Oh, okay. Who is the most influential person in your life or career? Yeah, good question. So I would, you know, that, that would be my spouse, my wife of 33 years. Nice. Shout out, Mrs. Michelle. Um, what is one goal you want to accomplish this year? Successful preclinical animal studies with our inject tab. Awesome, awesome. And then what is one piece of advice you would give to your 20-year-old self? 
Yeah, that, that's a good one. And you, you have to listen to the whole thing here. So it goes, set your goals high, figure out a strategy to achieve those goals, and then get what you want. Just make sure everybody else gets what they want first. Uh, okay, say that one more time. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, set your goals high. Set a plan and a strategy to execute on your goals and then obtain your goals and get what you want. Just make sure everybody else gets what they want first. Awesome. Awesome. I think that's the perfect answer to end today's podcast on how to take notes the second time just to write it down. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Bob, I yeah. just want to say thank you again for just coming on, not just sharing about what you guys are doing over at smart tab and what you guys are doing in the wireless drug delivery space, but also what it takes to succeed in this industry as a health tech or digital health entrepreneur and CEO. Um, so I found a lot of value from this and I know my audience, the listeners are in your position as well. And they'll find a lot of body, a lot of value out of this as well. So I just want to say thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a pleasure, Rodney. This has been very, very exciting uh, for our team as well. Awesome. And so last but not least, where could people um, connect with you and learn more about your company? Yeah, exactly. Our main webpage is smarttab.co, C-O, uh, not com. It's uh, C-O, so smarttab.co. Uh, that's our company webpage. And then I am also on LinkedIn under Robert Nichel, the last name N is in Nancy, I-I-C-H-E-L. That's the LinkedIn address. Those are the two main places where we have contact information. Awesome. And I'll be sure to include links to the website and your social media um, in the show notes as well so people can find you. Um, but with that being said, that concludes today's episode of the podcast. I'll catch you guys on the next one. Thank you, Rodney. Have a great afternoon. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Health Tech Hustle with Rodney Hu, founder of 209 Digital. Tune in next week for another interview with an expert leader in digital health.